Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about corn silage moisture. In our spotlight, we're going to look at some new seed options available for soybeans for the 2021 growing season. Egg History Minute, we're going to talk about the history of silage, part one of a two-part series. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with a You Applied What? With me today are Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, fantasy football drafts are hopefully done, because the first game is tonight. Yay! Yay. It was last night. What a game. Bum, last bum, night. Bum, bum. So oh, That's right, last night, yeah. Football happened. Football's back. <laughs> I'm, I don't have a fantasy team this year. What? what? Well, both my leagues canceled. Wow. They couldn't yeah. do an online one, draft. Or? One canceled because of uh, nobody wanted to play because they were concerned that it would be unfair because if somebody got COVID and they weren't playing, it would cost them a game. That just adds the next <laughs> level of... Which the, I was like, come on, It's the guys. handcuffs thing. You got to handcuff F- your guy for fantasy, COVID. F- fantasy football is already 90% luck. So yeah. I'd and then Mother League, the um, commissioner is protesting the protests of the NFL. So oh. uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well... You know what is good about that, Max, is you'll be able to watch football for football. You just be able to watch it and not care. Yeah, I won't have I won't have a receiver that's playing against the Packers, right. hoping that he has 400 yards, but the Packers still win. Right. You know yep. that kind of thing. I need six touchdowns and 400 yards, but I want the Packers to get seven touchdowns so they win. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, Packers play the Vikings. Yep, should be yep. a good game this weekend. At, it's at Vikings. At right? Vikings. At Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. That could Eight, be huge for 80 us. decibel. That's what they Crowd noise is the max. We'll see if that's they, not that yeah. many decibels. That's, that's not, not that much. Cl- classroom know. chatter is what they Especially equate that, that to. That dumb horn they play has right. got to be louder than 80 <laughs> decibels. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be. My guess is they're going to they're gonna cheat that and go higher. We have that two decibels. Is it 80 decibels at the field? I don't you know. know like, how yeah. do you. I don't know. Is somebody going to sit down there with a decibel, decibel meter, meter and just. Check it. I bet you someone will have to if yeah. people if, complain. If, they, if coaches they, start complaining. The refs will wear decibel meters. Yes. If they're going to check the inflation of footballs, I think they're going to have a decibel, decibel meter. meter. Yeah. Are they, anybody heard of the, are they doing the cardboard cutout thing in football too or not? I don't know. I haven't no, heard. No. I haven't heard. I think they're really hopeful that at ga- at like week five they're yeah. gonna have fans. So I well, don't think of think the they advantage are. for us if we play we play the Vikings in November at Lambeau, Lambeau yeah. and think if we can even have fifty percent of the fans there, right. it'll get louder than eighty decibels. I think so. so. That'd be pretty sweet. I wonder how much colder it'll be in the cold weather stadiums with no fans in there. Mm-hmm. You would think it's got to be a couple a of degrees colder. warmer when we're, you know, when, when you're people, people yeah. oh, when yeah. you're packed in there with 80,000 of your closest friends. I mean, that's... They got heaters all along the sidelines, though. They're sitting in... They got a jacket guy, and then they sit by a jacket bunch of torpedo guy. heaters. What's and your they job, got, jacket guy? They got the, hel- the helmet things they put on where it heats their helmet. I would so. take that job, jacket yeah. guy. That looks yeah. like a sweet job. <laughs> <laughs> There's no more cord guy. Do you remember cord guy, Max? Yeah, I remember cord guy. Right. Cord guy was like two years ago. No, more than that. I think they still have cord guys. Like some in, guys might, yeah. yeah. Some What's the over under on Rogers' hard counts this year because of no fans? Oh yeah, they won't. Yeah, they won't be able to were, jump them, will yeah. they? It's not going mean, to work. You could. They might try it once just to see, but I. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't I heard an interview today that he's like, "I'm going to have to use jazz hands." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. All right. I know what jazz hands are. I just don't know what that equates to right, for what, Rogers. What, why he needs jazz well, hands? 
you you quarterbacks aren't allowed to like move their hands excessively during a hard count anyway. So he's really he's kind of wrong there. I don't know if it's like to change plays or like because everybody's gonna hear his right cadence now. Maybe some New York bozo will come out. New York bozo. New York bozo. Yeah, they're gonna change the cadences every week now. I think they do try to. They changed the 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 words every week. The cadence, right? The the words, right? But I mean, you're gonna hear the rhythm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I wonder what what changes they'll have to make with no fans. Be fun to watch. Yeah, can't wait. Bart's got me. Can't Can't wait. wait. Yes. New York bozo. New York bozo. (laughs) There you go. That's way over 80. That's decimals. awesome, Todd. Can Doesn't you find translate a, to radio very well. Can you find a big dog right away? Big dog, big, big dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about heat before. Did you guys turn your furnaces on at home yet? I turned it on this morning just to kind of, because yeah. it, it was pretty chilly this morning just to kind of even it out. Yep. We've had our windows open every night. We have not turned the furnace <laughs> on yet. We didn't open them la- like the last you two want to bet? Degree. Really? Oh, yeah. Nice. Sierra's just like. Freezing yeah. or what? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's nice. 50 degree I think. nights. It's Do you know how long hitting... our, our AC was broken this summer for like three weeks? So, I mean, I'm not I'm not missing it at all. It's been awesome waking up in the morning. You can see your breath outside. I love <laughs> it's it. It's cool. Yeah. Well, if you've been keeping your windows, you can probably see your breath inside. <laughs> not, it's not quite that cold. It's, it'll, you know, it's not too bad in, in the house, but definitely you're not walking around uh, in your skivvies. You're definitely wearing... You're not like sitting on the couch in shorts and a t-shirt anymore. You definitely like got the sweatpants on, a little blanket action. It's starting so. to feel like fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah fall. no, it definitely it's good does. football. I got really. a I got a frost warning on my phone this morning. Oh yeah, so mm-hmm. not really? for not for our area for for um, inside your house. Well, for, yes, for inside the house. <laughs> well, for our area, the low was like forty. So I'm sure there are spots yeah, that were probably getting it. pretty close to freezing. Cover you your guys, plants. If you guys really want to know, we didn't have a pellet stove last winter early winter and our um furnace wasn't working so like in december when it was like 26 we didn't have heat in our house so <laughs> we slept in the living room one night with the ice fishing heater running everybody slept in the living room on the couch that's how we were old in college now that i'm an adult do we have that <laughs> fixed don't now. have to do that anymore <laughs> yeah it's fixed now does your landlord have it fixed now yes yes yeah. it was just a series of unfortunate events the pellet stove got burned out during the storms last summer but you don't know yeah, until, you turn until, it you, on. until you go to turn until it on. It, and if yeah. you guys remember, it froze solid like yeah. the first week of November last cold. year. Yeah. We went to turn it on, and it wouldn't turn on. We're like, oh, crap. So we'll go turn on the furnace, and the furnace was broken. <laughs> so they both broke like at the same time. And then it took it took a couple weeks to get any service. So, yeah, we, had, we limped her along for a little while. I'm glad to hear that you're up and Well, hopefully this, this year will be a little different. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we should turn it on now, <laughs> just to make, make sure, sure it works. Sure. No, we had the we had the uh, late last season. We had the once over from the pellet stove guy, so we're good oh, now. We're good. we're good at least ten years before we got to service it again. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hope you hope. <laughs> All right, you guys ready to do this? Yeah, Let's do it. All right, so today we're going to talk about corn silage moisture. It's a very debated topic. What's what's right? Everybody's a little bit different depending on what kind of storage you've got. Um, so it's kind of an elusive target, not quite the turdy pointer, but still getting the right mi- right moisture is is difficult, and it can change quite a bit, especially depending on the number of acres you're putting in. So, I think don't you think, Bill, this has gotten more complicated over the last ten years, fifteen years, when you got uh, custom harvesters coming yeah. in and you got to schedule them. Yeah, 
and it's. I mean, it's, if you if you go back even twenty years with upright silos, and everybody's got their two row, and they're just plugging away. We just start, you know, and it takes as long as it takes, right? And now you got. Well, if I don't get him now. He's got to go here, here, and here, and then he won't get back to me. And yeah, it's just way more complicated. And I think even like this year, you guys, I'm sure, have seen it too. The the bright green spots in the field, and then you go a hundred foot, and it looks like November. Like the yep. corn is brown. You hit hit a hill, and all of a sudden you're down to fifty five. The, co- right. the cobs are all tipped over right. already. Yeah, yeah so within I- the field, it's a the most I've seen is like a twelve point swing yeah. on one of those John Deere harvest labs. Right. Um, so I mean, that's that's makes or break us just that swing of of that so i i think the variables are so hard you got weather you got temporal variables just within the fields you got variables from field to field you got variety or day length planning variables, date. planning date so it's just this trying to i mean make an educated guess at when to start and and when when's the right time and it's it's just very difficult so that's why we try to test for it and do what we can do to, to guess the right time. There's a pretty crazy number of people that are taking a moisture on one field at a time too. Like you can see the, the agronomist is doing one, the seed salesman's doing one, the nutritionist is doing one, someone from the co-op is doing one and maybe the farm's pulling their own. You could get five different numbers at the same time. And then it's like, well now what are Which we, right. what do we do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think the other thing too, that's different than years ago guys is like, if you just say, Hey, Take your chopper out and run a pass through the field to see where it's at. Because we're taking, what, three or four stocks where they're going to take a whole pass. Let's well, like, okay, well, now i got to open my bunker or i got to make a pot. It's just the logistics of just going out there and trying it. Right. They Sometimes it, they can feed up some green stuff within yeah, a day or something. It's just way harder now. But to than, do it a lot, you know, to Once do they a start, lot, they want to start. Yeah. The other thing back in the day, you'd, you'd typically hire a guy to come open fields. Right. So he'd come before you were going to start or, you know, on the early side. So you'd say, okay, this, you know, whoever's coming, say, a week before open fields, and then you kind of looked at it and you saw if it was ready or not. And usually they made and, a pass through, too. Yeah, you're right. They'd Open cut it some up, lanes. you know, take four rows on the outside and then just cut her through. Even that, I think, helped once you do that and get the headlands off, the you air, air, air th- yeah. through there, and it actually dried it down quicker typically, too. But... But yeah, I would just say that what's changed with that and how we make this decision is much different than 10, 15 years ago. And I feel like we've gotten more, back then it was like, ah, if you get right around 60% moisture, you're good. You know, it was kind of a, now it's down to like, it needs to be 66% moisture, like right on that number, like any wetter, it's too wet and any drier, it's too dry. And it just, um, whatever moisture that farmer wants, it's not like around that number it's that's the number that it needs to be when we're done or or we'll have problems for a whole year of feeding this stuff yep yeah it'll be one thing or the other either we're going to be adding cost because of additives and different things we have to use to treat the silage or treat the feed so yeah for the for them the bottom line comes down to i don't want my feed to cost me more money so we got to try to hit these targets just just accounting for how much drier some stuff is going to be when you s- or how much wetter things are going to be from when you start to when you finish that's a that's quite the that can be quite the swing you know some of these dairies we're talking 3 weeks of silage easily yep. well a lot of things can happen in 3 weeks it gets wet we i mean we don't drop at all it gets dry and we're dropping a point every couple of days so all that that logistical stuff really is a pretty big balancing act. Well, and once you start dropping too, I mean, even with the cooler weather, 
before this rain we had, we saw it dropping pretty consistently right up until that moisture hit. So, one one interesting thing, I, and when I was doing the research on this, is how people were asking about adding moisture to it. Like, well, why don't I just add water? Can I just add water while I put it on? And the amount was crazy. It takes seven gallons of water for each ton of silage to raise the moisture content by just one point. So th- it's something, too, that we can't, you can't go change, you know, once it comes in, you can't add water to it, really. I mean, it's just nearly impossible. Not like the halo tree, stick the hose, hose in, in the blower and get it, let's go. Yeah. Well, but, or using no blower anymore either, yeah, though. No. It's all these piles. How do you get How would you even do thousands it, right, of gallons right. on these I mean, piles? Hook up the sprayer and drive it up and yeah. down the pile. But no, it just the the sheer amount of water we're talking about is is actually kind of amazing when you think about it. And yeah, that's a lot and, of water. And how to, you know, we like I said, we can't you can't add it. And then so once it's too dry, it's too bad. And if it's too wet, and you kind of just got to wait and be patient, and that can be really difficult too. So what's so, what's your goal moistures that you guys hear the most? Especially let's talk. Um, Bunkers or a pile um, typically is that sixty-five to seventy percent kind of ideal. But what yeah. do you guys think? Sixty-five to sixty-eight, I would say. Is yeah. mostly. I think sixty-eight is usually that target number to to like. Hey, okay, Start. we got to go. We're at sixty-eight. Like we got to get, yeah. get moving here. I've had guys tell me when you say it's sixty-six, then I know it's sixty-nine and I'll go, or I know it's sixty-eight and I'll go. Sure, because you add the two points. Right. Yeah. So. No, I would agree. Is seems like nutrition, especially wanted on that wetter side. It's just going to ferment better. It feeds easier for them. And then where we see that sixty six is nice because then it doesn't le- the pile typically doesn't leach. Right, home run. Um, so it seems like that the sixty five to seventy. I'd almost count. It's really sixty five to sixty eight. Um, I don't know many farmers or that are shooting for sixty eight seventy no. as far as the goal or ideal moisture. If anything, it's those guys, Max, you were talking about that have three weeks to chop. Sure, that know they may have to start at seventy one right. because by the time they get three get weeks done. later, right. it's at sixty two. But, but their goal still isn't right. That you but know, that'll get their majority done. done. Yeah, but as far as making milk goes, you're gonna do better making milk with 70% silage than you are with 58% oh, yeah. silage. Yes. So yep. you're better off starting early than finishing late, I guess. Good point. Yeah, and then bags. What's nice about bags is the the ideal moisture is 60 to 70. Right, it's a big range. It is nice. I mean, I, and I do feel like you can put it between there and it does pretty well. So that is one nice thing about putting feed in a bag is you just got a nice range. I actually talked to a, a small guy that raises beef and he's just like, ah, oh, we just start when everybody else starts. I'm like, well, what do you put it in a silo? He's like, no, in a bag. And it's like, oh, well, then you're probably fine because yeah, you just got pretty a pretty forgiving. Yeah, and then you get into the upright um, concretes silos, and those are sixty to sixty-five percent. And then upright harvesters would be fifty to sixty. That's crazy, them harvesters. And yeah, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're chopping dead corn. Think of without a processor to cut, you know, chop yeah. down those kernels. And I mean, it just would be unreal how that would come out of there because it's like you say at that 50 60 you're almost black layered corn mm-hmm. probably so it's quite far along but yeah fairly dry really when you think about it. and that's all another thing that's changed in the last 20 years is a lot more feed goes in bunkers and bags and piles and those are typically on you know like we said the 65 to 68 percent goal whereas your upright silos were 60 to 65 so we've also changed a lot of 
of kind of when when it's time to go. And I feel like that plant moisture can be more elusive to hit that number because you're going from half milk line to less and it, it changes more slowly typically then. Mm-hmm. But well, so we're gonna talk about how we how we can test it. So uh, I know we typically do the chipper or you know, if you have a chopper available they can some farms will run it through a sample. So we're we're trying to break it up to make it as close to silage as we can. One nice thing with, dehydrating it. with the the fineness of chop is quite important. So like a chipper um, isn't going to be as good as a chopper. I mean, usually the chopper is obviously made to size mm-hmm. it properly. Yep. It's got multiple blades, whereas usually these chipper shredders are using just a single blade. Sometimes they have two. Um, and they you do actually want um, what a University of Wisconsin study showed is to accurately measure the corn, um, samples need to be chopped, and you want the finer the chop, the more accurate they found the test to be. So, and then even the the as more evenly sized as you can get, the better too. So, if it's all fine, real fine, they got some real long stringy stuff um, that made it worse. So, yeah, just like trying to get it sized yeah. down correctly. Um, but there there's some slop in that, and it's just the ease of use of a chipper versus run it through a big chopper. Um, is kind of why you, you kind of just do it that way because it's a little easier to get an idea where you're at. Yep, and then, like I said, we usually dehydrate them, so we'll throw them on for a few hours, get them dried out real nice. There's coster testers. Um, NIR guns have been a little more popular the last few years. And if you really want to go all out, you can nuke them, <laughs> throw <laughs> them in the microwave, just like your gas station burrito. I've done that. I always burn them. Yeah, all these have their, the, right. the, the microwave is the hard. Most. Is you gotta you gotta watch, you do like four minutes and then thirty seconds seconds each and just watch that you don't start burning it. The new the new one I saw on a couple of Facebook pages is the uh, the air fryer. No, oh, the air fryer, yeah, yeah, that would work. It, were, it supposedly is like ten minutes and you're good. It's pretty quick. So uh-huh. there you go. Maybe we need to invest. Did you in know some if, air if the air fryer burned them at all, or if that I would I would imagine if you didn't watch it, it would. Um, but I don't know. I, they, all the guys who I saw using them were pretty happy with the results. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's still, it's still just one, one of the many tools, but they seem pretty happy. Yeah. And one, one nice part with the microwave or coster tester or lab and air, usually it's queer, fairly quick results, um, which is nice. Um, and then the dehydrators, what we like to use those, you really have, you're supposed to wait 16 hours is what it says you should really have them on there for. So um, that's one thing to, to kind of watch is just that eat whatever you pick to dry it, they each have their limitations, and make sure you try to pick one that um, that works for you. So with the, uh, with the dehydrators this year, I was running my own little test, and anything over eight hours, we didn't really see a whole lot of, um, of difference. drop. So at eight hours, you really pretty much you're in – you're going to be within a tenth of a percent from then on. So that's, if you really have to push it eight hours, is that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And we're usually going for volume too. I mean, we have a lot of samples. So it's, yeah, how many, it works nice what, for that. What the dehydrators are nice to get volume through. Yeah. Usually you put, you know, eight to 12 trays on a dehydrator, can handle it, and it works nice. Where, like you say, a coster tester, it's harder to get the volume through those. Um, microwaves can be good, but you just got to, be there, you know, running each one. Right, you have somebody watching them, and yeah. 
we had an awesome setup on one of the farms. They let us use their coster setup, and uh, they had the outlets for the costers rigged with timers, so you could set the timer nice. on them, nice. and they'd shut off. It was, it was really nice. You know, you could throw some samples on, hit the timer, and then take off and go pull a couple more samples, and by the time you got back, you know, it hopefully it shut done. off. You yeah. could weigh, you know, it didn't burn anything. It was a really good, really good system. So if you're looking for the the trickier trickier silage dry down area, that would be that would be my first suggestion is timers on the uh, <laughs> on the cost, yeah. So do you guys add points? So yeah, do you add points? I don't. I mean, I let the grower decide what they want to add. So do you it, tell them like I tell them what this is what it this comes is what back. it comes off the cooker. You decide what you want to add because they always seem like, well, do you add? Did you add any? Did you not? You know, and then. Then I got to explain it. So I just, nope, I'm just, this is a number and you can add what you want. I guess I, I do, but I also try to kind of pay attention to the samples as they're going. And once you get somebody who starts chopping, look at it and say, okay, I was, was a little high on that one or a little low and try to kind of adjust for what the conditions are. So really what you're doing when you're adding points is there's residual moisture that you just can never get it down to hundred percent dry. And what the research showed was one to two points add. So they, it showed on the dehydrators, you add one point. On microwave and costers, you add two points. So that's kind of what their research showed. Um, and I, I think that's about right. I mean, that's what we see yeah. typically. So um, I, I think that's a good rule of thumb is to add some. And just if it says it's at 66, you realize, okay, it's probably at 68 or um, that really, too, the idea of these is just to get us in the ballpark so we know when to pull the chopper in and check it with a with a full field-scale chopper. It's, right. It's to get us within that couple-day window. This is, this is another one of those things where if you communicate with the grower, that's probably your best bet. I had some guys tell me, I don't want you to add points. I want to know what, what it, it says. Yep. And other guys, they said add points at your discretion. So if you if you pulled it and there was a little bit of dew left on the leaves and you think you should add three points because it was a little bit wetter, then tell me that. You know, they just wanted whatever you thought was best. So Or if you chop if you grab the sample like at ten in the morning and you don't get back to chipping it up and weighing it up till four and yeah, it's, it's ninety degrees out there. Yeah. 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 So that that wasn't that I, that's another one of those conversations that's just really good to have. Mm-hmm. Well, in cutting height, too, I, we saw that a little bit last year. We kind of played around with testing them, and when we had wetter conditions last fall, the higher you cut, the drier the sample was because that bottom of the stalk was kind of wicking up that moisture. So cutting height makes a big difference on some of this stuff, too. Make sure you're kind of staying consistent with that. So there's a rule of thumb used, and I tried to find where it came from, but it's this 0.5% per day dry down. So if you guys have all heard that, like yep. you take it today, per day it's going to drive down half percent. So in two days it drives down 1%. Um, and just trying to find where that was from and if it's correct. Do you do you guys think that you feel it is correct? Sometimes. On an, on an average 60-degree moderate wind with some sunshine day, yes. Yeah, yeah I would <laughs> agree that it's – that it. so looking where it came from, and um, the one biggest research I found was by Scott Hendricks in a Manitowoc County extension agent. He measured whole plant moisture, you know, over three sites and over time. And basically, depending upon um, the year, it ranged from 0.4 to 0.7% per day. 
So, um, you know, in his research, he found that I think that's kind of where they came up with this half percent. Um, and then just other spots I found that, you know, if we are hot and dry, we can get up to 1% per day. Um, but typically, you know, it's this half percent. So that's one thing is I like to use that rule of thumb, but at the same time, man, it's hard because you see it as you get a rainfall event, it'll, it'll not dry down at all. And then it seems like it makes up for that when the soil does dry up and it dries down a lot quicker and, you know, it's, it's sort of this average thing. And you got to realize that, that there's days where it's going to dry down a lot and there's days where it's not going to dry down at all. Yeah. No, I, I think you're exactly right. It depends on the weather. And, you know, we had some windy days there where if the fields were opened up and you had air moving, then yeah, they were going to dry down pretty quick. We had the conditions for some pretty drastic uh, moisture drops early in the silage making season. I know Matt, you had said that um, you had some pretty, dr- pretty excessive point drops in a couple days there. Yeah, uh, we had areas where they didn't get rain and it was it stayed dry longer. I mean, things moved along really fast. And um and then, you know, last week I had a farm, I pulled samples on a Monday and pulled it the following Monday and <clears throat> they went down 4 points in that week. So that's pretty cool. That's close right to on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So cool. So yeah, it all depends on conditions and even from field to field can be different. One other indicator um, that's used is the milk line of the cob. Mm-hmm. And so half milk line averages about 63% moisture when it's that. Um, and then there was a study at University of Wisconsin where they saw, okay, at half milk line, what what, it, what do different varieties show? And it ranged from 52% to 72%. So I thought that was I, – I do like using the milk line. I mean, I think it's a good, helpful indicator – but at the same time, there's a lot of different other factors that it might still be too wet. It might be too dry. Yeah, the at low that end time. of that range is scary. Yeah, 52, <laughs> 52. it's you're you're too late. So so milk line's important. I kind of like to use milk line as you know as a proxy or helpful to to see okay when should I start taking burn down samples? Am I at a quarter milk line? Then I'll start taking burn downs to see what the whole plant moisture is. So that's one thing to think about is the the milk line part is extremely helpful and it does determine a lot. But, I mean, obviously there's other parts of that plant and the stalk and the the leaves, especially the stalk, it seems, that can hold moisture differently. Yeah, I think we all kind of had this conversation a few weeks ago as we were starting to pull samples, you know, of you can't just look at the field and guess like a moisture because exactly what you just said some stocks are just going to stay green all the way through and some are going to look like they're burning up like crazy and the one that burning up like crazy might be 70 percent the one that's green as grass might be be 65 so you just don't know corn plants are like people they carry their moisture different ways just like we carry (laughs) our weight different ways so all right well there you have it so corn silage moisture a lot of a lot of farms have started already harvesting corn silage but things to watch for as you're thinking about starting is, you know, look at that milk line, kind of get an idea there. But best way is to take an actual sample, whether it's coster, tester, dehydrator, NAR, or microwave, and try to find out how much moisture is really there. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So our spotlight is... New seed options available for soybeans for the 2021 growing season from BASF, a new line of Enlist E3 soybeans. 
So the, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Chitavo brand. Ooh, yeah. I was going to say Xitavo. Yeah. Zitavo? What would the X? It's I mean, Xitavo. I T A V O. I have no idea. Zitavo. I'm going Zitavo. Xitavo. Xitavo. So the brand soybeans with the Enlist E3 technology owned by MS Technologies, distributed exclusively from BASF. And they are triple stack herbicide tolerant trait. So Liberty, the 240 choline, which is is Enlist, and glyphosate will all be tolerant of those three. We'll say after our challenges this year with even dual residual and not having water hemp control, I think uh, Liberty is going to be a discussion this winter. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that's um, off the table. Uh, mine's not making it to this winter. This discussion's <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> Next week. It, it's already happened on yeah. a couple farms. They're like, this didn't work. No. It didn't work. So, yeah, it's another another tool in the toolbox, you know. Yeah, hopefully this will stay on the table, uh, unlike certain other things that get pulled away from us this year. Herbicide that shall not be named. Yes. All right. Well, now we'll move into the Egg History Minute. Gotta love the banjo. (laughs) So today we're going to do part one of the history of silage. So silage, also called N-silage. So if you've heard the the term to ensile, that's where that comes from. Forage plants such as corn or maize, legumes, grasses that have been chopped and stored in tower silos, pits, trenches for use as animal feed. So using the same technique as the process for making sauerkraut, green fodder was preserved for animal in parts of Germany since the start of the 19th century. This gained the attention of a French agriculturist, Auguste Goffart of Salone, who published a book in 1877 which described the experiences of preserving green crops in silos. The conditions of dairy farming in the USA suited the ensiling of green corn fodder and was soon adopted by New England farmers. Francis Morris of Maryland prepared the first silage product in America in 1876. The favorable results obtained in the U.S. led to the introduction of the system in the United Kingdom, where Thomas Kirby first introduced the process for British dairy herds. The modern silage preserved with acid and by preventing contact with air, was invented by a Finnish academic and professor of chemistry, Arturi Lamari Vertanen. Vertanen was awarded 1945, the 1945 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his research and inventions in agricultural and nutrition chemistry, especially for his father, fodder preservation method, practically inventing modern silage. So there you go. That's where silage comes from. It's interesting that's the same technique. It started with sauerkraut. Yeah. You know, similar to that. Well, you so. figure fermenting and everything else. Right. Do you, guys, do you guys have anybody who's still using a pit or a trench for nah, no. For storage? No. <laughs> no. Wall, I know. Walled bunkers. Yeah. yeah. But that's a most Pads close. and bunker, yeah. That'd be an interesting, that'd be an interesting setup. A nice big pit that you had to drive down into. Down it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like an upside-down bunker, basically. Say we got get an old abandoned mine shaft and fill it with silage, silage and then yeah. that's where you had to get your, your but, silage out of every day. But just think of the height we have of our piles. If you had to dig a pit, well, that's a lot of dirt that. to move. That's as big as a might as well have a manure pit. That's as yeah. big as manure pit. Yeah. <laughs> so you f- you 
you can fill it with silage, and then when it's empty in May, fill it up with, fill it with manure mm-hmm. all summer. It sounds logical. There's going to be no contamination of manure <laughs> right. and feed then at all. <laughs> nothing for any animal rights groups to pick up on there and no. have a new thing to throw at us. Don't think we have anything to worry about with that. <laughs> All right, if you like what you're hearing out there, please go to naicc.org, and there you can find an independent crop consultant in your area. Please subscribe to the podcast, and unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and tell a farmer friend about uh, how to listen to a podcast, how to get it on your phone, and how to download. And Matt, where can they find us? You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Tilth Talk Radio. So there you go. All right, now let's do our cool beans, and that's corny for the week. So, cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. So, our cool beans is the great gender reveal fire of California that's burning. That's cool. <clears throat> there was a newborn calf, a miracle calf, if you will, that oh, survived wow. the wildfire. Newborn calf offers hope to everyone that is going through these tragedies. So there's a nice picture in this article of a black calf sitting amongst almost all black charred ground except for a small area or exactly it, where it's sitting. It must have just hunkered down right there. Yeah. It said the the it was still cov- like it was just born so it was all wet and full of the that probably saved, you know that's yeah, probably the, what's, that's the what they saved it. That's an insane picture to look at. I know this is terrible radio, but like, no, just Google up the. Pi- I mean, this picture is insane. Do you think that was a Holstein calf, and then the white part <laughs> the is soot? Off? It's no. actually soot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it says uh, that this was part of the marsh fire, which uh, <clears throat> covered crossed a ranch run by Dave and Samantha Cascarini, and so they have twelve thousand acres of steep, rough terrain and five hundred head of cattle. So. They had lots of cattle trapped by the fire with flames coming around them. And the fire department tried to save what they could. So they came across this calf kind of sitting by itself in a patch of wet grass in the middle of a burned-up pasture. And She says, I'm shocked. When I picked her up, she was covered in afterbirth, and the ground was wet from calving. Eyelashes were burned. But still breathing, and that to me that's the more amazing part because usually the, the, the superheated air you breathing in that mm-hmm. will kill you as just as much as if you get burned. So she must have kept her nose to the ground, and uh, so yeah, it was incredible. I was worried her first breath of air would be smoke, but minutes old and fire burned right over the top of her. That's that pretty, is cool. Pretty cool impressive beans. story. Yeah. Cool beans. That cool is, beans indeed. Is, is indeed cool beans. And our That's Corny for the Week is an aerial imagery company, Terry Avon, abruptly files for bankruptcy. I declare bankruptcy! Hey, I just wanted you to know that you can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. I didn't say it. I declared it. Still, So Terry Avon, CEO Robert Morris, sent customers an email saying the company was closed effective September 4th, 2020. So that Did you guys get the email? 
Mm, I, I got the email, so we must have did something with them, and it uh, just was. And yeah, I know we've met with them, but I don't. We just, think we were an active just customer. Abruptly is yeah. very true. It was a very abrupt. I mean, J.C. Penney's been going out of business since like February. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Is this February, one twenty years of, ago of twenty sixteen? Yeah. <laughs> but but you're right. Those a lot of the bankruptcies you kind of see right, coming. Long, drawn and there's out. reasons, and this one was just like. No, yeah, they, there's no no real explanation, and then just well, the, the next part here is yeah. If you're a client, I strongly re- recommend downloading a copy of your data because uh, if you want it, take it now or, or it's, it's going to disappear. So yeah. twenty four billion acres they collected imagery on. Yeah, yeah and they had a lot of partner, you know, big time partner names. Sure. So I wonder if one of the it did say that it hopes. You know, another partner oh, wow. picks it up and kind of rolls with it. Yeah, so. There's a lot of them here. Climate, John Deere. Yeah, Field X. Field X, on there. Esri. Yeah. The, com- uh, the comments on the bottom of the article are not SMS. super understanding. Yeah. Just, I would imagine I'll just that. save you guys from scrolling all the way down <laughs> to that. Don't read I, them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think there would be. <laughs> I do like he, his statement that uh, Terry Avon, this is Morris, the CEO, blazed a path that others can and will follow. We hope the industry will invest more mm. decisively in whoever comes next, as surely someone will. Mm. I don't know that I'd follow that specific path. No. <laughs> yeah. No. And imagery is a tough, tough market. I mean, it really is. So the company started in 2013, it says. So they they made it seven years. I mean, we've tried a, we've tried a couple different uh, companies like this, and it's definitely not not an easy not an easy market. No, and we've we've worked with companies that have had turnover or got bought out. Yeah. Or, um, so yeah, it's yeah. it it happens, and it also was viewed as going to be the next greatest thing in agriculture, and we found out that it doesn't actually solve all our problems. It doesn't solve all, but it's definitely a good tool. Oh yeah, that for we sure. need these. Yeah, it's got can, its place. Yeah, but we we also but, it was like. Yeah, it tells you where the drownouts in the field are, but it doesn't make corn appear in the drowned oats. Yeah, you know, right. you still have that problem. <laughs> yeah, there's still other decisions to be made besides. Yeah. That. Yep. So, all right, time for you applied. What? What did you do? All right, um, it's mine this week. I'm so. just going to take a guess looking at the names do here. Do you already know, Matt? Uh, are, are we looking at uh, silo, silage additives? Some silage. Yes, they are silage inoculants. Inoculants, yeah. So, um, the... Different silage inoculants are Silosolve, Biomax, Bunker King, and SiloGuard. There's one of these that... Well, SiloGuard's will lay up. SiloGuard's yeah. got to be yeah. one of them. I'm pretty sure I've seen Silosolve boxes like in the last week on a farm, so I'm going to say that that's... See, that well, was the one I was going to go with. I'm is pretty the, sure I saw Silosolve on a farm this week. Like I'm almost positive. Right. What do you think, Max? Matt? Uh, Bunker King kind of looks like Burger King, but just changed. <laughs> yeah, Todd was hungry. Uh, <laughs> knowing, uh, knowing Todd, I'm going Bunker King I'm, now. I'm gonna say Bunker. <laughs> I'm gonna say Bunker King. Probably is the odd one out. So that's what I'm going with. You guys are right. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. not Bunker King, which I thought it would be. It's actually a paintball gear. Bunker is King. what nice. Bunker King is. All yes. right, fair enough. Um, and then the rest, uh, Silo Solve and Biomax, are Chris Hansen products. Okay. So uh, shout out to Bill Eberly who uh, nice. told me what they've got. And then Silo Guard, you, just the only Silo other Guard. one I knew that I'd never heard of. Don't give know. away all Eberly's secrets. Future guest on the podcast. Oh yeah, Todd. we'll have to have him on to talk about <laughs> Silo Solve and Biomax. But but Bunker King is the, it does sound like Burger King kind of. It yeah. does. 
So were you hungry when you were writing this? I, uh, I was thinking about paintball equipment. <laughs> I was thinking, man, I really need to. <laughs> Don't really know why that has anything to do with I need paint. an impossible I, burger. Well, yeah. you hide you hide in a bunker. Okay, sure. Oh, and then yeah. you get out and like. When you're shooting. Pot, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, that does it for today. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having Matt. us, Matt. So today we talked about corn silage and when to find that time to start, how to do it. In our spotlight, we looked at some new seed options available for 2021 from BASF. Ag History Minute, we did part one of the history of silage, so tune in next week for part two. Cool Beans, that's corny. Cool Beans was Charlene, the miracle calf who survived a wildfire. And that's corny was Terry Avon filing for bankruptcy. And in our You Applied What, we talked about silage inoculant. So thanks for listening, and as always... Happy farming.